we're going to get into God's word. And it's funny. Now, I didn't bring it in here today. I made a comment last week about how this gospel of John, I've kind of been preaching to myself a lot in this. And I said, like, somebody needs to get me a full-length mirror. Somebody got me a full-length mirror. So I should have had it here maybe next week. So we are in the gospel of John. We're going through that together as a church. Uh, We're in John chapter 7 right now. And so far in John chapter 7, we have seen Jesus who's gone into a public place. He's speaking to a crowd of people. He is bringing the heat. He's preaching with power and authority and the people are starting to take notice. They're paying attention. He's turning heads and the people are starting to speculate about him. They say, we've never heard anyone speak like this. He's not even an educated person, but here he is speaking like this. I think he's this person. I think he's like this kind of person. There's division amongst the people about who Jesus is. That is what's happening here as we pick up the narrative. So turn in your Bible to John 7, Verse 25, John 7, 25. And what I want to do as we get started is read to the end of verse 36. That's our text for the day. It says, some of the people of Jerusalem therefore said, is not this the man whom they seek to kill? And here he is speaking openly and they say nothing to him. Can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? But we know where this man comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from, but I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. Put a little star beside that part in your mind. Him you do not know. I know him, Jesus says, for I come from him and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? Right? All through John so far, we've seen Jesus do sign after sign. Verse 32, the Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. That's kind of the classic religious person solution is we'll just go arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. So the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we will not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion? Somebody say dispersion. That's just a term for the Jewish population that was scattered across the region. Go to the dispersion among the Greeks, that's the Gentiles, non-Jewish people, and teach the Greeks, aka is he going to go to a faraway place and teach a faraway people? What does he mean by saying, you will seek me and you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? You and I live right now in an era of massive spiritual confusion. Massive. There is at any given time in our day, in our era, in our society, there is a large amount of people that just doesn't believe. No belief in God. Uh Uh-uh. Anti-theist, atheist, there's no God. You church people are crazy. 
Uh uh-uh, not having it. There's a lot of people that think that way. They just reject that aspect of life, the spiritual aspect altogether. There are people that do have some sort of belief in God, some loose belief, or maybe that there is a God or some kind of higher power or some kind of guy upstairs. We've all heard these things, right? But this loose belief doesn't really translate into any kind of life change or transformation. It's just kind of something that floats around in cyberspace somewhere. In our day, there's a lot of pluralism. Somebody say pluralism. That's fun to say, isn't it? Pluralism is basically like you come up with a plurality of different faiths to kind of make your own. You say, oh yeah, I like this part of the God of the Bible. I agree with that. Oh, but I also like this ideology from this philosophy over here. Oh, and I like this practice from this other religion. So I'll just throw them together in a blender like we're kind of making a smoothie. And that's my faith. That's my spirituality. All kinds of people do that. There are all sorts of prosperity gospels that float around, right? You just believe in God and he'll make you rich and healthy and all that kind of stuff because those have never heard anybody. There's new age spirituality, things like Reiki and all kinds of stuff. Basically, in our day, in our age, people just do what is right in their own sight when it comes to spirituality. Here's what I think about it. Here's my truth about it. So this is what I'm gonna do. It, and, and it creates an era of massive spiritual confusion. A lot of people don't even really understand what the purpose and the point of spirituality is. And then there's us as Christians, this gang of us, right? And we come along in the midst of all of this and we make, honestly, a pretty bold claim. And for some, it would be a pretty offensive claim and just, just a wild thing. How dare you say that? Some people, this would be a laughable claim. We come along and we say, we know the secret. We know what the key to this whole thing is. We know what it's all about. We as Christians believe that God has a life for us. You sick of hearing me say that yet? Don't say say yes. I'm gonna keep on saying it. We believe that there is a God who created us and who loves us and he has a whole life for us. And here is the test time. If you weren't here last week, you're off the hook, you're welcome. But last week we established that the foundation, the bedrock of this life that God has for us, it's a word that starts with R. Anyone know it? It's relationship. God created us to be in relationship with him, to walk with him, to be close to him, to worship him. That is what life is all about. So in that sense, all of life, listen now, is a spiritual matter. It's not the sock drawer thing like we do. Here's my home life and my work life and my money life and my hobby life and here's my spiritual life. No, all of life is supposed to connect and correspond to God in some way. If it's all about having relationship with Jesus, that's supposed to be the foundation and bedrock and everything else that happens in this life all around us, in us, to us, through us, is supposed to happen from that place of I'm with Jesus. I love Jesus. I'm all for Jesus. My allegiance is to Jesus. Making sense so far? Okay, good. This life is all about him. It's all about, Colossians 1.16 says that all things 
all things were made through Jesus and for Jesus. Not just some things, not just your Sunday morning things, but all things. It's all about him. Genesis 1.27 reminds us that you and I were made in God's image. That means our very design, our very, the way we're built is supposed to correspond to God in some way. All through the scriptures, you hear this theme of God saying, hey, I want to be your God and I want you to be my people. All through the scriptures, you hear this echo of walk after me, follow me, let's go, let's walk together, God is saying to us. It's all through there. It's all spiritual. That's why it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do in word or deed, do it all for the glory of God because that's the point of this whole deal. It's the glory of God. The heartbeat of life. This is the claim we make as Christians. The heartbeat of our life here on earth is a spiritual, relational connection to God. And what we would say as Christians and what the Bible would say is that if you do not have that relationship with Jesus, if you are not walking in that, then you are not truly living, at least the way that God desires for you to live. You might think you've got a pretty good life. You might have some money in the bank. Your health might be good. You might have a good family. You might have this. You might have that. But you're still not living the way that God desires for you to live. It's all about that relationship. And by the way, I am not talking in the slightest about knowing about Jesus. Knowing Jesus and knowing about Jesus are not necessarily the same thing at all. And I would submit to you this, this isn't supposed to sound insulting now, don't throw something at me, but I submit that some of us in the church know a lot of stuff about Jesus, But that doesn't necessarily mean that you know Jesus, that you walk with Jesus, that you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And that difference is really huge. And by the way, I'm not demonizing knowing about Jesus. I hope that we do all grow in our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. That's all through the scriptures. We're supposed to know stuff about him, but it's not supposed to stop there. But I wanna say this to you. Having a relationship with Jesus, and this relationship is not just a metaphor. It's not just some weird churchy thing to say. You guys can testify. This is a real, legitimate, life-giving, life-changing relationship that's as real as relationships that we have with other people. That is what we have with Jesus or can have with Jesus. And here's what I wanna say to you, friends. Having a relationship with Jesus, walking with Jesus changes everything, everything. For one, I could say just this one, and this would be enough. When you know Jesus personally and you have a relationship with him, it changes the way you love. It actually, you come to know and discover a love that you never even imagined was possible. You want to know why that is? It's because God is love. That's what it says in 1 John 4. God himself is love. That's just who he is. And when we get close to him, spend time in his proximity, in relationship with him, naturally that's going to rub off on us. Furthermore, God loves you. I would love for you to please turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you. Go ahead and tell them that. I even saw a couple people pointing the finger when they said that too. God loves you. 
He does. God loves you so very much. And that love is not based on your performance. It's not based on your good track record. It's not based on how much you put in the offering plate. It's not based on what kind of background you have. His love for you is unconditional. Somebody say, that's pretty cool. Well, it is. I mean, it is. Like, you think about, I I look at my life, I don't deserve that kind of love from God. What have I done? What have you done to deserve it? Zero. But that's who he is. He loves us. And he loves us so much that he sent his only son to die in our place. God literally stepped down off his throne to die for us so that we could have a chance to be with him. That's just mind-blowing. That's not because of how great we are. That's how great he is. And when you camp out in his presence, friends, you start to, this is just the way it works. The Holy Spirit starts to bring to your mind and bring to your heart and bring to your soul a deeper awareness of the love that God has for you. That changes everything. Furthermore, when you get onto this thing of God's love, it changes the way you're gonna love others. Just supernaturally, that's what's gonna happen. And by the way, that's no coincidence because you'll remember in the scriptures, God says the two greatest commandments are to love God and to love others. All of a sudden, when we're walking in relationship with Jesus, that love, it says, I think it's in Romans 5, that love has been poured into us by the Holy Spirit and it starts to well up in us and overflow. And all of a sudden, listen, I can't give you a scientific formula, but this is the way it works. You start to just love the Lord more. You start to love other people more. You start to say, I used to not like that person at all, but you wanna love them. This is just God. This changes everything. And you don't get that just from knowing about Jesus. That's not where the transformation comes. It's from when you know him personally. Is this tracking with you guys? Is it tracking with the rest of you guys? Good, okay. So I could stop right there on just the love thing, and that'd be enough, because that's awesome, but there's so much more. When you walk in relationship with Jesus, which is the foundation of the life that God has created you to live, you start to develop a peace in your life. Somebody say peace. Peace, we've talked about before. It's not just the absence of conflict. There happens to not be a fight going on. It's the presence of goodness. It's not just that the bad isn't happening. The good is happening. That is peace. And you probably don't need me to tell you this. The world is in short supply of peace these days. Very short supply. It's so easy to look all around at what's going on around the world, in front of us, in our own lives, and kind of freak out, right? But when you walk with Jesus, supernaturally a peace is cultivated and developed in you. It says in Isaiah 26, 3, it says God keeps us in perfect peace. Not even just a little peace, perfect peace. How many of you want perfect peace? I would not refuse that. God keeps us in perfect peace when our minds are stayed on him, when we trust in him. That's relational language. When you're close to the Lord, he's gonna produce that peace in you. And we need that. Here's another thing. When you walk in relationship with Jesus, hope starts to build up in you. That is another one that's in very short supply in the world. Hope is that sense of, hey, things are not great, 
but I know that something better is coming. I know that even though my circumstances are bad, I know that something good is coming down the pipe. I know that I am going to be okay. I am going to, it is going to work out for me. Better days are ahead. Answer me this. Is there a lot of reason for hope when you look around at how the world is going right now? No. Eh is the right answer. Did you hear that? Eh. No, it's not. It's not. Seriously. Seriously. I've had many people tell me this. Oh, I was watching the news and then I watched the news the next night and I watched it the next night and now I'm just really depressed and discouraged and I don't want to step out my door in the morning. That's the way it works because the world does not have an abundance of hope right now. But listen to this. When you walk with Jesus, you can have the hope. And the hope does not correspond to some of the circumstances we go through. Your circumstances could be flat out filthy garbage. Can we just say? Like I hope that ministers to somebody. It is possible for you as a follower and a believer and a lover of Jesus Christ to have a peace and a hope that does not match up to your terrible circumstances. And I was reminded of this this week about this hope thing because I was at three funerals in the last 10 days or so. Yeah, they come in bunches sometimes. And the one I was at most recently was Tuesday afternoon. It was Lori's grandmother. She had passed away late last week. She was really sick for a long time. So that's heavy, right? That's large. That's like a significant thing and the family has and is still working through that and will continue to. Here's the thing though. Lori's grandmother was a believer in Jesus. Like she, she knew Jesus personally. She walked with him for many, many years, right to the end. And through all of the sequence of Okay, now she's, she's about to pass and then she passed and now family's together and we're planning the funeral and there's visitation and then there's the funeral itself. I, I don't mean this wrong at all, at all, but I know that there were people that we were interacting with during those days last week that aren't Christians. They don't know Jesus. And, and again, I don't claim to know the contents of somebody's heart, but you could see it in their faces I'm not even joking. You could see it in their faces. They were not having a lot of hope. Face was gray, downcast. You could just see it written all over them. What am I supposed to do now? How am I supposed to make sense of this? What do I do? Where do I go from here? And that was really sad. At the same time, a lot of people that we saw last week were Christians, are Christians. And the story was completely different. I remember, it was Tuesday, literally the funeral is beginning, the piano is playing upstairs, the family's downstairs, we're on our way up, funeral's about to start, and Lori's brother was there, he's a believer. And I hadn't seen him yet, and I said, hey man, I said, I'm really, 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 really sorry for your loss. And he said, without flinching, he didn't have to stop and think about it. He said, it's a temporary goodbye. And I just about went right on the floor at that. And then we go up into the funeral. It's a sad occasion. But there's worship going on in the funeral. 
The presence of the Lord is just there. People are singing. People are rejoicing. People are believing because it's not goodbye. It is a temporary goodbye. Because Lori's grandmother was a believer, we know that in the blink of an eye, she went from her body was not whole. Now she's in the presence of the Lord and she is whole. And we as Christians... We as Christians are going to have that same thing happen to us. We're going to get to go and be with him, friends. If you're a Christian, this world is not your home. This world is not supposed to be your home. You're not supposed to be that comfortable here. But there will come a day, either when we pass on or when Jesus comes back, we're going to be in his presence, friends. All is going to be well. All is going to be better. There is nothing that can reverse or undo this promise that Jesus is making all things new and we are going to get to be with him. What a day it will be. Somebody help me today with that. That, that is hope. That doesn't make any worldly sense when you look at it from just the logical, unspiritual eye. But we can have that. We can believe that. We can put our confidence in that. It says in Romans 15, 13 that God is the God of hope. That's just who he is. And he causes it to abound in us by the power of his Holy Spirit. Friends, I want you to have a living hope in your lives. And that only comes, and that increasingly comes when you walk with Jesus in relationship with him. What else? Like our purpose. How many of you guys know that your life has a purpose today? You are not here by accident, by a mistake. There was a computing error. You're here on purpose for a reason. You were made by God and for God. Isaiah 43, 7 says you were made for his glory. So every breath that you take in this life, every, I was gonna start singing the police song about every step you take and every vow you break and whatever. We'll edit that part out in a hurry. Everything that you do in this life, again, you could do it for the glory of God. That is purpose. You don't have to sit here wondering, why am I here? You're here for God. That is why you're here. And uh, it says in Revelation 21.3 that the dwelling place of God is with man. You were made, your purpose in your life is to make much of the Lord and to be with the Lord and to dwell with the Lord. Your life counts for something, friends. And furthermore, when we walk with Jesus, you get a, a stronger dose of your mission in life. Somebody say mission. Again, we are not to get saved and then just sit on our hands and do nothing until Jesus comes back. We got work to do, friends. You, you know that Jesus said in Matthew 28, I says, I want you to go because I have all authority in heaven and on earth. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. How are we doing on that, friends? We got work to do. By the way, I think we're doing okay at it. There's just always more of it to do. But that's, that, like, we have a mission. It says in Ephesians 2.10 that God has created us in Christ Jesus for good works, Right, Not just good church attendance or good manners, good works. We got stuff to do. Your life can count for something. When you walk with Jesus, you will know this in your spirit, in your heart of hearts, you will know this more and more. Is this good news to anybody today? All this blessing can come about just from a relationship with Jesus? Again, I will say it is not just about going to church, but I'm glad you're here. It is not just about saying a prayer, but please say a prayer. 
You can say one for me while you're at it. It's not just about being a moral person, but we should be moral people. It's not just about having some kind of Christian ethic because you grew up in a home where your parents were Christians. No, it's knowing Jesus personally. That's everything. Now, don't answer this out loud, but I wanna ask you, do you know him today? You did answer out loud and with gusto. Thank you, brother. Seriously, seriously, because this is what it comes down to. Lord, search our hearts today. Don't just let us assume, hey, because we're sitting in church, I must know the Lord. No, like, do we know you, Lord? Are we pursuing a relationship with you, Jesus? Holy Spirit, I'm praying you would develop in us the desire to do that, to follow after you, to take up our cross, to walk with you, because that's everything. Lord, we cannot miss this. We don't want to miss this. We want to live the life that you have for us, God. So help us to walk into this, Lord, in Jesus' name. By the way, that's not the end of the sermon. We just had to, we just had to veer off to pray for a second. Here's the tragic thing. So many people don't know Jesus, whether they know about him or not, so many people don't know him personally, don't have a relationship with him. And that is tragic. And that has always happened. Back in our text of John 7, in verse 25, Jesus basically has presented himself to the crowd and they're like, isn't that the guy that the leaders are trying to kill? Like that must mean he's some sort of criminal or something. Verse 26 though, they say, well, but... But here he is, he's speaking openly and they're not doing anything. I wonder what gives. If he was so bad, like, why wouldn't they arrest him? But you can tell they don't really understand who he is. But they have kind of a clue, a wondering. They say, can it be that the authorities really know that this is the Christ? The Christ means anointed one, chosen one. See, these people were waiting for the Christ, this deliverer to rise up, this ruler to rise up. And they say, hey, maybe it's him. But you can almost tell in their voices, they don't even really know what to expect if the Christ did show up. Could it be that it's him? I don't know. Matter of fact, they go on to say, actually, it probably couldn't be him because we know where this Jesus guy comes from. And when the Christ appears, no one will know where he comes from. That's actually wrong, by the way. Like, I don't mean the Bible's wrong. I mean, the idea that these people had about the Christ was wrong. And actually, we're gonna get into this next week on literally the very next page of my Bible. I think it's John 7, 42. The people identify right there. Oh, the Christ is gonna come from where? Bethlehem. He's gonna come from Bethlehem. Now, Jesus grew up in Nazareth, but he was born in Bethlehem. You, you read that in other places too, uh, the, the, the Christmas story. King Herod wants to know, hey, where's the Christ gonna be born? Oh, he's in Bethlehem. All through, uh, Micah 5, 2 is another one. The Christ is gonna come from Bethlehem. So these guys, they weren't even building on the right information. And therefore, they say, oh, this is Jesus. He can't be then because we know where he's come from. This confusion, they obviously don't know him. In verse 35 and 6, they're like, where's he going? What do you mean you're going away? What do you mean you're gonna go and we won't be able to find you? What, what do you mean we won't be able to be where you are? They don't understand who Jesus is. They don't understand his mission. They don't understand his destination of who he is. And I, I wonder, did you ever stop and think why it is that so many people don't know Jesus? 
I want to give you two reasons why. There's a third. We'll talk about that later. Number one is this. A lot of people don't know Jesus because we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's a created being. He is one that was created to be an angel, a minister in God's presence, but he rebelled. He became proud and he was cast out. And those loyal to him, other fallen angels, we call those demons, they are real. They exist. You say, why are we in church talking about demons and angels and Satan and all this? Oh, because they're real, because they're a thing. That's why. And they are bent on destroying God's work. God has this life in store and in mind for all of us, but Satan and the demonic are trying desperately to combat against that. There's a whole battle being fought. That's what it says in Ephesians 6. There's a whole, our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with each other. It's with the powers and authorities of evil in the, in the heavenly places. That's what's going on here. And it says in 2 Corinthians 4.4 4, that the God of this world, that would be Satan, has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the truth. That is a large verse, okay? It's not just, oh, you don't believe just because whatever. It's no, Satan is actively blinding people's minds from seeing the truth of who Jesus is. That's large. So we gotta bear that in mind. There's a fight going on. There's a battle raging. It's an eternal battle. It's a battle over people's eternity. The other reason why a lot of people don't know Jesus is because we're also combating our own sinful nature, right? There, there's, there's Satan and the demonic and they're fighting against us, but we all as people, we have all sinned and we have a sin nature. The Bible will call that our flesh. Even as Christians, we still fight against that, right? That's why if you're anything like me, you maybe been a Christian for a while. I've been a Christian for 17 years and every so often, it's more often than I would like to admit, I will do or say or think or dwell on something that's just stupid. Just stupid. Call it what it is, right? And then you kind of come to your senses and you're like, what, what did I do that for? Why did I say that? Why is that crossing my mind? It's because we have a sin nature, Right? And, and it combats against us. And part of what the sin nature does is that it makes us proud. It gives us these false things of, oh, I'm self-sufficient. I'm self-reliant. I don't need anybody, let alone God. Our hearts become hardened. And we are prevented from seeing our need for Jesus. I don't need to be saved. I don't need God. I'm doing just great on my own. So these are reasons why a lot of people don't know Jesus. Like I say, there's a third one. We'll get to that at the end. Here's what I want to do, though. I want to talk about the solution to that. A lot of people don't know Jesus. They don't have the relationship with Jesus. They therefore aren't living the life God created them to live. There's an antidote for that. It's called the gospel. Somebody say gospel. The gospel is the good news of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and why that should matter to you. And the gospel is all through our text, by the way. Imagine that, right? The gospel is all through here. Jesus is the Christ, 
They wonder about it, but that is the truth of who he is. Jesus is the Messiah, the chosen one. He is God himself. He is the one that has come to set us free from our mess. He came from God, it says in verse 28 and 29. He came from God. God sent him. He sent him on a rescue mission. By the way, he is God himself. John 10.30 says, I and the Father are one. That's what Jesus says. God himself steps off his throne. He comes down, enters into human history, into our mess, and he dies on a cross in our place. You'll notice in verse 30, it says that his hour had not yet come. What's his hour talking about? That's talking about the cross. Jesus' rescue mission was to go to the cross, to die in our place, to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be reconciled to God, so that we could come into relationship with him, so we could live the life that we were created to live in the first place because he loves us and he has good for us. This is the means by which that's possible. Jesus also rose. That's what the gospel says. And look what it says in verse 33 here. I will be with you a little longer than I'm going to him who sent me. So Jesus died and was buried, but since he was without sin, the grave couldn't hold him. He bursts on up out of there, and then he ascends into heaven. That's what he says. I'm going to him who sent me. The Father sent him. Jesus right now is ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father, ruling over all things, building his kingdom, building his church, and now the ball here comes into our court. When you consider what Jesus has done for you, dying on the cross for your sins, rising in victory, he's now calling each one of us to put our faith, put our trust in him, to declare our allegiance to him. When you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, when you repent of your sins, that is, I'm going this way, I'm living this kind of life, but now I'm going to Jesus, I'm not living that anymore, I'm leaving that behind, and I'm gonna take up my cross and follow him. When we put our faith in Jesus, as Lord and Savior in that way. We are saved from our sins. We are forgiven from our trespasses. We are given new life. We are given the Holy Spirit. We are brought into God's family. We are brought from darkness to life, from, from, to light, from death to life, and we enter into a relationship with the Lord. Is that pretty cool? It is. Here's what I want to say. If you're a Christian today, you have believed the gospel, you have accepted the message of the gospel, and therefore you have everything you need to have that relationship with the Lord. Maybe it's lying dormant in your life right now. You're not pursuing it. But if through faith in Jesus, man, you've got everything you need. And people who aren't Christians yet, this is the means by which you're saved. This is the means by which you come to know God. This is the only means by which you can live the life that he's created you to live. It is all about the gospel. Friends, we don't go out and try to preach good behavior to people. We don't go out and preach, hey, the weather's nice today. We should be having church outside. We preach the gospel to people because that is what people need. That is the antidote for the spiritual confusion and the spiritual death that is running rampant all around us all the time. It's the gospel. Friends, we cannot be ashamed of the gospel. Cannot afford to do that. So here's the takeaway. Here's where we're going to bring this into right now, friends. The takeaway is this. We need to press on to know the Lord. I didn't say press on to know about the Lord, but you should do that. Let's know more about the Lord. But we need to press on to know him. Press on 
to a deepening relationship with him, deeper waters with him. Because here's the thing, there's always more. Some of you guys, I guarantee some of you guys have a, a good, pretty good, really good relationship with Jesus. You, you trust in him, you're walking with him, you talk to him, you're in his word, you're close to him, that's awesome. Guess what, there's always more. There's always more of Jesus. Man, you can never ever plumb the depths of the love of Jesus, of the peace of Jesus, the experience with Jesus. There's nobody like him. You can never, it's gonna take a whole lifetime and you'll still never get there. There's always more. Keep pressing in. Friends, if you're a Christian, don't give up. Don't give in. Don't settle. Don't slack. Keep pursuing him. It's everything. It's the life. And that's gonna change so many things in us if we would just press in to know the Lord greater, more closely, more personally. Man, I know things would change all around us. Some of you guys here aren't Christians yet. The takeaway for you is pretty well the same. Press on to know the Lord. Look, you've now heard about Jesus. You've heard the gospel message. You've heard of what you need to do to get close to God. Here's my question that requires no out loud answer. And this is not supposed to be the like plastic suit, sleazy used car salesman kind of tactic. But if you're not a Christian, man, I would say this, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? God has a life for you. He loves you. He died in your place. He's given you the message right here. And your response needs to be the same as what these people, was. look at verse 31. Many of the people believed in him. That's what he's calling you today. And that isn't just something that happens up here. That's something that happens here too. That's talking about surrendering and giving your life to Jesus. That is what he's calling you today. And if you're not a Christian yet, and you want to know more about that, man, come find me. Come talk to one of the leaders. We would be so happy to talk to you about that. Here's the uh, last thing I want to say to you guys this morning. The other reason that a lot of people don't know Jesus is because we haven't told them about him. And we have been talking on and on about discipleship as a church, right? Somebody say discipleship. Discipleship really is what we've talked about today. It's twofold. It's pressing on to know the Lord more closely and greater yourself. The other arm of discipleship is helping others, coming alongside others and helping them press on to know the Lord and to grow in the Lord. That is what we are all about, by the way. That is where God is leading us as a church. That is what we need to be doing. By the way, shout out to some of you guys. I've seen you guys doing this. I've seen some of you guys intentionally come alongside other people and share the gospel. I've seen you do that. Pat on the back. I've seen you guys come along relationally with other people to walk alongside them, to help them to come to know Jesus more and understand him better and go deeper in their faith. Kudos to you. That is awesome. Let us press on to know the Lord. Let us press on to help others know the Lord because that is the life. That is the mission. That is everything. The question is, are we gonna do it?